Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, welcome to Help I Have a Teenager, the podcast that's here to answer all your questions about the new teen age. My name is Jo Lamble. I'm a clinical psychologist and a mum of two adult kids. I'm a complete introvert. You look surprised, Ginny. I'm also the co-author of The New Teenage, How to Support Today's Tweens and Teens to Become Happy, Healthy Adults. And my name's Dr Ginny Mansberg. I'm not only no introvert, but I'm also <laughs> Joe's co-author of The New Teenage. I'm a GP. I'm also a mum. And I'm a mum to a new puppy. <laughs> Is there anything better? I know. She's so cute. What's her name? Izzy. Absolutely adore her. She's so naughty. But... And I'm going to sound like a braggy mum here. She's 11 weeks old. She is 1.6 kilos and she appears to be toilet trained. I, oh. <laughs> I don't know how Has quite. Fred taught her that? Well. Fred's Ginny's other. Fred's my elderly, demented yes. and very deaf dog who has been very patient with her. Yeah. She's got this weird thing where he squats to do a wee. He doesn't wee like a boy. He wees like a girl. And she's a moth to a flame. She wants to run like under the sprinkler and <laughs> bathe in it. So she's had lots of baths already. <laughs> doesn't seem to follow him to the toilet. He only wees a couple of times a day. She is a frequent wear but seems to make her way out. Does she? And she's up and downstairs now, both up and down at all 1.6 kilos of her. She's, she's so obviously cute. got yours and Daniel's intelligence. So clearly that's just, it's inherited. Clearly. Yeah, absolutely. I claim it all. <laughs> and, and I'm not doing puppy school because can't be staffed. I'm no, too no, busy. exactly. You know what to do. Oh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> now, later on in this episode, Joe, we're going to give advice to a dad who isn't sure why his teenage daughter wants to visit the GP solo. Totally get you. But first, let's answer this question that was sent to us by Margot. Now, Margot says she's seeing some of the intense content from the Israel-Palestine conflict on social media. And she says, it's made me wonder how I can help my 16-year-old daughter navigate her online experiences. It's tough knowing that she and her friends have already stumbled upon some pretty disturbing videos from the conflict. My heart goes out to the families going through all of this right now. I'm stuck between the idea of completely shielding my daughter from these graphic images or allowing her to see some of it so she can better understand the situation and show empathy for the people affected. What's the right balance here? I'm also looking for advice on how to keep tabs on her social media activity, especially when those tough images pop up unexpectedly on her TikTok or Instagram. I'm genuinely concerned about how world events are affecting my kids and I'd really appreciate any guidance you can provide. Joe, help my go out. Yeah, look, many schools have sent out a notice advising parents to block their kids' social media accounts following these attacks and, you know, parents were obviously concerned about, oh, my gosh, what are they going to see and how am I going to block them and are the children going to respond to that, are the teens? And 
We've spoken a lot, Ginny, haven't we, on this podcast about how to stay across what your kids are looking at online. And that's by staying curious about what they're looking at and encourage them to be good critics of what they see so they can understand the possibility of fake news and distorted images, you know, as a general idea. But this situation really calls for parents to step in. Yes, we want them to have understanding and empathy as much as we can about the tragedies taking place. But you don't need to see graphic images to have empathy and understanding, and some things cannot be unseen. So this is why it's good to not always be saying, get off your phone and get off that TikTok rubbish, because we want to have a point of difference when we're saying, now seriously, get off social media because there are some threats of some really disturbing images might be coming through. And even though you might be so curious to know what they are and you want to be belonging with your friends who may be seeing them, as I said, some things can't be unseen. So there are certain things like, remember that horrible online streaming of a terrorist attack in New Zealand, you know, that again, that was another warning put out, get off social media so you don't have to see it and then try and get that image out of your head. So that would be the main thing is to, yes, support if schools have said that. That's another backup. You're saying the schools are telling us to do this. And as your parents, we are supporting this. And as I said, you're going to have far better luck if this is a different way of approaching than you normally handle social media. Absolutely, because they're going to see kids their own age and that becomes really personal for them. It sort of becomes a bit closer to home. And, you know, a lot of 16-year-olds think, well, I would have been at that rave party and you could have been one of those girls who was kidnapped or harmed. I think that one of the issues rather than trying to think about what you say is trying to think as well about what you asked because it would be really interesting to know what she's seen already and if there's anything she needs to debrief with you and just to say, hey, how are you going? Have you seen anything that you need to talk about? How are you handling it? Because once you just start talking and not asking questions, the teenagers often either switch out or feel like they're getting a lecture and they're not going to listen. And then you might get to the situation where they go, oh, I'm going to go and have a look now. Whereas if you come from a position of asking, then I think that might be better. To a certain extent, I think the ship has probably sailed at this stage. This graphic content has been available, freely available for so long that those who have been very curious have already seen it. And now might be the time to talk about how to deal with what they've seen because it is incredibly distressing. And as you say, Ginny, you want to really reassure them that you are not in any trouble. (laughs) And, you know, I'm not asking because I'm saying, you know, what the hell have you done? I'm asking because I don't want you to suffer in silence and debriefing after this. And it may be that you're encouraging them also to talk to their friends because it may be that their friends are suffering in silence. And Again, it may be to make sure you're saying to them, and if you have seen something, try not to share that (laughs) with anyone else. You know, it's better to talk to you about it and debrief rather than to debrief with their friends if their friends haven't seen it because that just increases their curiosity. So, yeah, I totally agree with you, Ginny. And a general piece of advice for all of us, teens and adults, if you have seen some horrific images and you can't get them out of your mind, it's really good to try this, what we call the split screen strategy. And what that is, is you try and imagine a TV screen with the line halfway down. And on the left side of the screen is the horrific image that keeps popping into your head. And on the right side is a lovely image, an image that is full of love and safety and gratitude. It's normally of 
people you love or your favorite place you've visited with your favorite people. And what you do is you just keep consciously putting those two images side by side. And so what happens with the brain, if it is always directed to this lovely, comforting, safe image, every time a horrific one pops up, the brain learns to go to that nicer image. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that will be really useful for teenagers who are not sleeping because they try and fall asleep and then they're just seeing a slideshow of horrible images and thinking about maybe people who've been kidnapped or people who are starving or who've got no water to drink. There's so many awful images to think of out there, but it might be a good idea to just go, hey, are you sleeping? Do you need any help with that? That can be a way in which you can get really involved in a really constructive way to help your teen. Yeah, that's right. Because I think if anything, you know, we all feel so helpless and you definitely feel helpless as parents. But if you can give them a tip like this and say, why don't you try? I've heard about this strategy. Why don't you try it? And often it sounds cliche, but also when they feel really grateful, because I think this is a time like no other, where we just want to be grateful for where we are. And being safe. Yeah, and being safe. And so if that's where that positive, comforting image, that's where it focuses on, that's going to be helpful. And what a privilege as parents that we get to be that space of comfort that can turn something so awful inside their heads into something that's a little bit more peaceful. Yeah, time will be a healer as well. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Ginny, our second question was emailed to us by Matt and Matt says, my teenager has been pretty adamant about wanting to go to the GP by herself and it's got me wondering what's behind this request. I'm not sure whether I should let her take that step on her own without me or a female relative to go with her. So what do you think might be driving her to want to visit the doctor solo and is 15 too young to be giving her that independence? Her mum isn't in the picture, but her auntie, my sister, says that she's more than happy to take her to the GP if she's too embarrassed to go with me, her dad. Should I be worried? Oh, Matt, no. I mean, it's so understandable that you are so worried. And I think every solo parent, whether you are a dad or a mum, feels that huge weight of responsibility to be everything to your child. And also you have given everything to your child. And we'd like to believe that our kids would trust us with anything and would tell us anything. We want to be that go-to parent. And when they want to keep anything from us, it hurts. And also you worry. And of course, in this complete vacuum of information, she's given you no idea about what's going on. It's natural to catastrophize a little bit and think, is she pregnant? Is she suicidal? Has she had a rape situation? Has she got HIV? Like there's so many bad places that your head goes to, which I, as a catastrophizer myself, completely (laughs) relate to. Let me tell you about what happens inside the GP consultation. She's actually allowed to go in on her own. And as a GP, I would reassure my teenage patients that nothing that they tell me 
will be going to their parents without their permission unless they are unsafe in some way or somebody else is unsafe. So let's say a teenager came to me and said, I'm feeling suicidal and I've stocked up on tablets. That's I'm planning to do that. I would tell them and I'll say, I'm going to have to keep you safe and I'm going to have to disclose this to mum or dad. And so I wouldn't do that behind the teenager's back. I'll tell them that I'm going to go to somebody. But if they tell me something that is of concern to me for their safety and their well-being, I will break their confidence by telling them first. What if they're pregnant or they've got an STD? Well, if it's an STD, I can treat that. If they've got access to money and they can go with a Medicare card on their phone and they can go and get a medication, the reality is if she's got something like chlamydia, which is there's sort of three tablets that you down the hatch at one time and then we retest you three months later, there's really no need to disclose that to a parent. I know that's really hard for you to hear, Matt, but there's this process that every teenager needs to go through where they become their own adult and they become their own person, they make their own decisions and they need to separate from you and your job is to enable that, to actually raise such a competent, smart, intelligent person who makes great decisions and you try and walk with them but at the end of the day you can't control everything that's going on with her and I know that's hard to hear. What age would you say it is, I mean I know it depends on the maturity of the teen, but what age would you think, oh this person probably needs an adult? So it's a fine balance, so you've got to make a judgment call, but I would want to understand why they don't want a parent or an adult in the room with them and if they feel unsafe or they feel that the consequences of disclosing their particular concern might be really bad for them and they're not feeling safe, then that might prompt me to say, hey, can we have a conversation? Can we get mum or dad into the room and let's have a conversation about the way they're handling things that you're telling them because they'd be devastated to know that you feel unsafe in this situation. And I'd try and help them with that situation, but with their permission. You know, I think with a 12 and 13 year old, unless they were very unsafe, you know, unless they said, listen, I'm going to get you know the stuffing belted out of me if dad found out about this. I'd probably really want a parent in the room for Mm. their sake. But I'm wondering, Matt, whether you could volunteer to just go sit in the waiting room. So just to say, look, I'm going to pay the bill afterwards and I'm going to drive you there and I don't need to come in, but how about I just sit in the waiting room? One of the things that I usually encourage my teenage patients to do is to get mum or dad into the room. It's got to be their choice, but I would probably present to that teenager why I think it might be helpful to have a mediated conversation because often me being there is a safe space. So the teen can actually express something to the parents that often goes haywire when they're trying to have the conversation on their own. You know, maybe they don't feel listened to, maybe they don't feel heard, maybe the conversation goes off the rails. With a third party there, it can be a little bit better. So I often encourage them to bring mum or dad in. But if you're not there in the waiting room, that won't be happening. So maybe just offer to be there in the waiting room just in case something like that happens. Yeah, no, great idea. And I think since her mum isn't in the picture, I still think it would be a good idea to remind your daughter that there are other female adults who are there to support her in any capacity because I think it's really important for all kids to know that there are plenty of adults out there who love and care about them and are willing to support them through anything. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, Matt, just to reassure you, I've been doing this for quite a long time. I haven't really had a situation in which I've thought, God, that parent, I really think differently about them now. I really think that they're a terrible parent. Mostly the kids are telling me something that I just think, you really don't think your parent would want to, you know. (laughs) Just being embarrassed. Yeah, I've got period pains, you know, or something like that, that, you know, just go, well, 
do you want me to help you have that conversation? And it normally goes far better than you think. So trust your gut. If you think your relationship with your daughter is good, it probably is. And I wouldn't be overly worried. And by giving her this little bit of rope and saying, absolutely, you want to go to the GP on your own? Totally. I'm just going to sit in the waiting room. If you want me on there, if you don't, no worries. That tells her that you have faith in her, that you believe in her, that you trust her. You think she's a great kid and that you're really worried and concerned enough to go with her and just to be there in case she needs anything. So that kind of communicates quite a lot. And that's all we've got time for this week. Now, if you enjoyed this episode of Help, I Have a Teenager, click the follow button wherever you listen to your podcast to get notified when our new episodes drop every Friday. And make sure you leave us a review as it helps more people find our show. This episode was produced as usual by the beautiful Tali Blackman with audio production by Tom Lyon. We'll see you next week. If you would love unlimited access to everything women are talking about right now, subscribe to Mamma Mia. An annual Mamma Mia subscription includes discounted tickets to Mamma Mia live events, subscriber-exclusive stories, podcasts and videos from Australia's leading independent women's media brand. 